You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie. Monday morning, the 20th of December. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reid on LMFM. It's just three weeks since the World Health Organization named a new variant of COVID-19 after scientists in South Africa identified how the virus had mutated. Today, we all know its name. Now we've Omicron and it's coming at a time when we're at our most vulnerable. The winter... Christmas, the flu season, Delta still with us. Omicron is now the dominant variant in this country. And based on what we can now see happening in London, Denmark, Norway, South Africa and elsewhere, the Omicron wave is going to come hard and fast. Last week, Thornishta Leo Bradker told us what to expect. Cases will break all records, perhaps as soon as next week. And after that, hospitalizations will start rising again. ICU and critical care will be under real pressure. GP surgeries may be overwhelmed or come close to it. And sadly, there will be increased deaths. So there will be dark days in January again. That's uh, the Tonister Leo Vradker. Let's uh, speak to Anthony Staines once again. Professor Staines is a Professor of Health Systems in uh, the School of Nursing in DCU and spokesperson for ISAG. That's the Independent Scientific Advocacy Group. Good morning to you, Professor Staines. Thanks, as always, for joining us on uh, the programme uh, today. Um, is it as bad as uh, the Tonister portrayed it uh, in those comments that we heard there a moment ago? I, I think it could be... Um we don't know, that's the first thing to say. But looking at what's happening in Denmark and the United Kingdom, it was what has happened in South Africa, it would be a mistake to do nothing. It potentially a serious mistake. Are we doing enough? Um, probably not, no. But you know, we, we are doing something. And mm. to be fair to our government, they've said very clearly that if what, this, what they're doing now isn't enough, that they're open to doing more. Which is, you know, is the responsible uh, is a responsible way to be, and it's it's the way they've been throughout the pandemic. But the like, we, what's fairly certain is that the number of cases will rise sharply and stay high for a while. What's not so certain is what that means for the health services. Um, but the the concern is that. Even if if this disease is as severe as Delta or even somewhat less severe, because there's more cases, 
the pressure in the health service could actually rise because you could have more people coming into hospital. So they don't have to be much sicker. They just have to be more of them. And that that's going to be the real challenge. And it's the percentage of uh, the number of uh, cases. Uh, and uh, even if that percentage is a lot lower, it doesn't matter if you have a lot more cases. Yes, in a, in a nutshell, exactly. Right. Uh, and you're not a, a fan of lockdown. None of us are a fan of lockdown, but you're, you're not, not a fan of the approach of going into lockdown. Uh, you're more in favour of taking other measures to mitigate the spread of the disease where possible. But I'm reading, uh, you quoted in the Irish Times today saying uh, that an eight week lockdown may be required. I think it may. I mean, the, the logic of a lockdown is very straightforward. You have a, a, new, a new virus comes to town, things are going pear-shaped. You don't really know what to do. You close stuff because you know closing stuff will stop transmission. Mm. And then you get your act together, you figure out what to do, you bring in your, you wheel in your public health resources, you know, you, you work out the correct advice to give people and then you go off and do it. And the, the way the, the public health logic is, you do all that stuff, you, you know, you do all the public health stuff. And if that works, that's brilliant. Then you don't have to lock down again. And if it doesn't work, no, you've made a mistake. You need to do something else. You didn't know it at the start. You can always lock down again later. But you, you, you use the lockdown to buy time to bring in all the other public health measures. And we know what those are. Uh, wearing masks, air filtration, uh, managing infections in schools, and particularly the whole kind of contact tracing. So we know where people are getting infected and we're stopping them infecting other people. And some of our politicians have spoken about breaking the chain of infection. And I think that's exactly the right way to think about it. And this has been the the basis of public health measures for centuries. We have a vaccine. It's a fantastic vaccine. If we didn't have it right now, our hospitals would be out the door. We'd be having a very different conversation, but we do. So that's not happening. So the vaccine has saved lots of lives. So the the other piece now is if you're not vaccinated, get vaccinated. If you are vaccinated, try and get a booster vaccine. And you know, the, the frame for all of this is this is a new variant of the virus. This isn't, a, this isn't a kind of son or daughter of Delta. This is a new version of the original virus. And you said we don't know enough about it uh, and it may be less severe. A lot of people might get it and might just get a mild dose of COVID if it can be put that way. But is it also true to say that people who are not vaccinated are getting very sick uh, from Omicron uh, and are needing to be hospitalised and critical care and so on. It certainly happens, but it happens both with vaccinated and the unvaccinated. But it looks like vaccination greatly reduces your risk of getting critically ill. What we don't know yet is how long COVID plays out with Omicron. And we're not going to know that for months. Uh, one reason we want to keep case numbers down is precisely because we don't know that. You know, we've no reason to suppose Omicron will be any greatly different from Delta or the wild type, both of which produce you know, significant long-term effects in somewhere between 5 and 10% of the people who get them. Um, 
so with no 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 concern right now that there's a difference but we actually don't know and we don't want to find out I suppose everybody's waking up today thinking this is Christmas week uh, and I mean you need this like a hole in the head there's people giving out yards you're closing the pubs at 8 o'clock in Christmas week in Ireland Mm. Uh, but there is this other reality because uh, Christmas obviously resonates with all of us Uh, there is this reality that people who are are testing positive today let's say uh, will have to isolate for Christmas day Uh, other people uh, who maybe tested positive a few days ago or last week could be in hospital for Christmas or in critical care for Christmas or, or may not be with us in the new year. Well, please God, they, w- they will be. They'll be fine. But mo- because most people don't end up in hospital with COVID. But enough people do to be a serious stress on the health services. And it is really about, you know, it, it's about, it, this is a numbers game. This is about pushing case numbers down. And the, there's a nice graphic from HSE where they talk about layers of protection. And the, the, the government has been asking people to put on their layers, but the government has not been doing its fair part. So people are wearing masks, but they're not getting clear advice from the government about what type of mask to wear. People are buying antigen tests, but they're not being subsidised by the government, and they're getting quite incoherent advice about how to use them. People want to have... Uh, you know, clean air, uh, uh, but they're getting very fuzzy advice from the government about the use of HEPA filtration for air. We, we, we've been asking for HEPA filters in schools since August. We got very wishy-washy advice from the Department of Education a week ago. Now, it's better than no advice, but it's very wishy-washy advice. Mm. It's not very helpful if you're actually a primary school teacher or a secondary school principal. Yeah, and and maybe go back over the other two points uh, because I'm not sure if uh, you can advise uh, people today uh, if there's the time for them to act on that uh, advice in relation to the HEPA filters. But uh, when it comes to the antigen tests, they are complicated to do correctly. I mean, one thing I've heard people say is they've gone to YouTube to look for examples of how to do it properly. Is that something you'd suggest to people? I think I would, because, the, again, you should be able to go to the, go, the government website and have, a, you know, this is how you do it. And here are the 10 brands of antigen tests we've tested, we recommend. You can actually do that in the UK. So the, the, there's very good advice on the NHS website hmm. about how to do antigen Well, tests. that's probably the thing for people to do, to yes. go to the NH, yes. That, yes. because Professor Anthony Staines would recommend what they're showing you. I would, yeah. It's good, they're, it's good advice. They're, mm. you know, they know what they're up to. Okay. Uh, and when it comes to the face masks, we all hate them, uh, whether it's because uh, they restrict our breathing or they're uncomfortable or, or whatever, but uh, they don't look well. So uh, there's a lot of people like to have uh, different things on them and wear uh, these face cloths instead of face masks. You're saying that they should be of a surgical grade if they're to give the kind of protection that we need. They should be what they call N95 masks, or FFP2, which is more or less the same thing. Right. They're the blue and white ones, aren't they? No, they're they're actually white, and they have a pleat in the middle. Oh, yes, okay. Which runs parallel to your nose. Mm. So they're they're not the blue and white ones. And that that is probably what you should be wearing now, because this Omicron is extremely transmissible. Mm. And I don't know if you can get them in pretty colours yet. I'm sure there's, there's an opportunity there for some entrepreneurially minded person to, to get on that 
Well, you can buy them in a lot. You can buy them in pharmacies. A lot of, not everywhere, but a lot of pharmacies are selling them now. Um, and they, they are, they, they last. You can wear them for a while. Um, I, I find them, they fit more snugly. So they are a little more, there's more pressure at first, mm. but you actually get used to it very quickly. And I find them, I wear glasses. So I, I could not stop my glasses steaming up yeah. with surgical mm. masks. With the N95s, I can. Mm. Yeah, I have to say, I wear them whenever I, I go indoors uh, and uh, tend to wear the blue and white ones outdoors type of thing. It doesn't, it, it doesn't mm. make a huge odds, but yeah. if you can get the N95s, they make a difference. Yeah, just they are a bit more expensive, you know, and they're sort of the things that uh, people... Uh, they, they are, but they last longer. They last longer and they protect you better, which is what it's all about, because you don't want to go to hospital and hopefully the worst case scenarios won't pan out because they're talking about 2,000 people being in hospital at the peak uh, and that uh, there could be, uh, at any given stage, 1,500 people in hospital, 400 of those requiring critical care. We wouldn't have enough ICU beds uh, and they're talking about 10,000 cases a day from Christmas Eve onwards. Yeah, I mean, we we don't have enough ICU beds in all the hospitals right now. Um, you know, the, the hospital service is at the pin of its collar and has been for some time because we've been running 4,000 cases a day. And I would criticise the government for really not getting on top of that. There's a lot of stuff they could have done they didn't do. So we didn't ramp up testing capabilities. We're not sequencing very many samples. And as a result, it's very hard to trace who's infecting whom. And that's a critical question. You know, we, we had a very lengthy and rather unpleasant series of rows about whether it was kids were being infected in schools and whether people were being infected in pubs or restaurants. In other wealthy countries, the, that wasn't a discussion. They knew. They knew where children were being infected. They knew where adults were being infected. And they could say, well, so many adults are infected here and so many are infected there and so many are infected over there. And this is where we put our resources. Here we didn't because we didn't do that piece of work mm. properly, and that's you know we've pay, we've all paid a price. Okay, uh, and for hospitality has paid an awful price. Yeah, and it might seem bad now, but it, it could get worse as it has uh, in the Netherlands, uh, who have gone into full lockdown. And there is some speculation uh, that plans are afoot for us to go into full lockdown from New Year's Eve onwards. Uh, I think the chief medical officer was playing down that prospect uh, this morning but if we don't get it on top of, of this before then is that something that might be required and it c- could it also be a case that the schools don't reopen as planned in January? Yes, I think both of these things are possible. I mean, Mike, Mike Ryan told us in March 2020 how to manage this and we haven't taken his advice and what he said was act fast and decisively and don't you know, come in, come in with both feet flying is, is how you deal with this. You sit on it as hard as you can, as fast as you can. And it's, it's the way to end it quickly. We're spending a billion a week, according to an unnamed senior minister, on a pandemic support and business support. And I'm not disputing that we should do that. But if we took a week's worth of that and spent it on prevention, we'd cut the lot. We'd, we wouldn't have had... 500 odd days of lockdown we just wouldn't okay. we would have cut it down and we would have saved saved a lot of money, a lot of jobs a lot of businesses and a lot of you know, 
lot of distress. I mean, there's a lot of people out there in hospitality, a lot of people out there in the, the arts who are looking saying, dear God, what am I going to do now? Would have, could have, should have, perhaps. Yes, but it's never uh, too late to do it. Yeah. You know, it's one of the good things about public health stuff. You, you can make a muck of it for two years and then you can come in in year three and do it right. Okay. And it, it'll still work. Right. Yeah. Well, we are where we are, as the politicians say, uh, unfortunately. So uh, perhaps uh, things will improve by the next time we speak. Uh, but in between now and then, may I wish you a, a peaceful, healthy Christmas. And thank you indeed thank you. for joining us here on the programme this morning. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, that's Professor Anthony Staines, Professor of Health Systems in the School of Nursing in DCU and spokesperson for the Independent Scientific Advocacy Group. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now here's a, a message from uh, the tarnished uh, Leo Radker to people working in hospitality. This is not the Christmas we expected or hoped for. In fact, it's beyond our worst fears. And in some respects, for many of you, will be worse than this time last year. Once again, your industries are being curtailed to protect others and also to protect you. But government will help and we will stand by you. The pandemic unemployment payment has already been reopened to people who are being laid off as a consequence of these restrictions, and we estimate that could be as many as 50 to 70,000 people in the next few weeks. The employment wage subsidy scheme will be paid at the top rate at least until the end of January, so that employers can keep the staff on, and we encourage them to do so. We're also reworking the CRIS and the BRSS schemes so they can be paid to businesses that are open but restricted due to government limits on capacity or hours, so they can be paid in the way they were when it was outdoor dining only and takeaway. Minister Dunyhu, Minister Catherine Martin, Mr. McGrath and I will work on this over the weekend and make a further announcement with details on Monday. We won't let your businesses fail or be sacrificed. None of this is your fault. The virus is to blame. And we need you to survive, because when this is over, we're going to need you more than ever. Leo Radker, let's uh, speak to Mark McGowan of uh, Scholars Townhouse Hotel in Drogheda. Mark is uh, the president of uh, the Restaurants Association of Ireland. Good morning, Mark. Thanks uh, for joining us on uh, the programme uh, this morning. I suppose uh, at this stage, after the announcements on Friday, your focus now is on what supports will be made available to your industry. And uh, I think you're to get some details uh, from government uh, today after them working on this over the weekend morning Michael yes absolutely we're first of all we're absolutely devastated to hear what's after happen like 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 everybody and uh we can see it's, it's the, the the same um, curtailments have been rolled out to other sectors such as the, the pantos, etc. So it's it's highly disappointing and uh, the simple fact of the matter is, is that we, we just don't know enough about this variant yet and um, I suppose public health is, is number one priority. We are waiting now. We need to find out what's going to happen. We want to make sure our staff are protected. We want to make sure employers are prote- protected now from um, um, a financial standpoint. So that's, what, that's where we're at at the minute. We just need to wait and see what's going to happen in terms of um, EWSS and uh, CRSS. I know that uh, we heard Leo there in the little snippet there, but we need, we need, we need, this, uh, we need a f- official notice here on exactly what's happening. And we also need to find out what's going to happen in the future. Mm. What is the plan? How are we going to move forward with this plan in terms of living with COVID? Um, and 
I'm very disappointed as well as to, uh, we listened to your previous caller, the government have a lot to answer for here, Michael, in terms of ICU beds, etc., and, and planning the, the, the healthcare service. I mean, if I ran my business the way they've ran the healthcare service, I'd be long out of business now at this stage, to be honest with you. So it's highly disappointing. Okay. I imagine you've had to cancel an awful lot of bookings for this week, Christmas week. Uh, It should be the busiest week of the year. It should be the busiest week of the year, absolutely. So our our late sitting is is what is taking the most impact. Uh, There are a certain amount of bookings that are in that cross over that threshold of ATM. I'm going to use logic here. I'm not going to. I'm not going to fire people out the door at eight o'clock on the button. Some of them could be fifteen or twenty minutes over, but they will be asked to leave the restaurant as soon as their meal is finished, um, and and that's the only way we can do it. Because if if we do it any any other way, the place will be empty. Like it'll be totally empty then at, at half seven or six o'clock, just the way the sittings are planned. But some of them will roll over slightly by about fifteen twenty minutes, and uh, that's just that's just the way it's going to work. Um, and then the pub, Peggy Moore's, is going to have an awful impact. So we've reduced the times back to 12 o'clock. We normally open at 5. So we have to find a way of dealing with, with it for, for now. So it will be open that bit earlier. And I'd say a lot of pubs will probably do the, do the same thing. They'll uh, right. change their hours around. And do you and think people will be socialising earlier or are you seeing uh, early bookings being cancelled? Well, you're not going to have... It won't be the same environment but you, that you would have in the evening time, but you, you'll have the option there. You might have shoppers uh, on the way home from doing a bit of Christmas shopping in town. They might have one or two drinks on, on, on the way home, that kind of thing. So um, what we're doing is here is finding a way to make sure that the staff get hours. So we're, we're trying to find a way around this to make sure that we're not sending people off and just putting them straight onto the PUP. We want to make sure that we're fighting for our staff and that they have something to look forward to mm. uh, the week before Christmas. And then we'll, we'll battle January then afterwards. Yeah, because this is up to the end of January and there is this talk of a total lockdown from New Year's Eve onwards. That, that's what I'm hearing now. So, again, it's going to be a little bit of a waiting game for us. But um, this is, this is where we go into, you know, fight or flight mode. We have to find different ways of being innovative and ways to keep our team in place. Um, I, like, I, it'd be easy enough to kind of roll over, and that's the last thing we want to do. We want to make sure that we have our takeaways um, open in, um, in the hotel and make sure that um, we have a service to our customers. Um, our staff are getting the hours, as many as staff as we can keep on the books as possible anyway. And then um, we heard Leo there saying that the, the part-time staff or the other staff will all be protected anyway, so PUP will be there. But it's not good. This environment of going into lockdown is not good for anyone's mental health. So we want to make sure that our teams are active. We'll try and find ways. Yeah. Training the training in January could be a really good thing as well. Well, there's uh, a, a, a lot, Sorry, Mark. There's a, a lot of pubs uh, um, outside uh, of the bigger towns and rural areas that wouldn't open till five o'clock uh, and you wouldn't get anybody in them before five o'clock, no matter what, for that yeah. matter. Uh, and devastating. Yeah. Devastating for them. And what I'd advise anybody to do is there's a huge amount of free training courses available through Skillnet Ireland through Falter Ireland and maybe January could be a time that we train our teams and we give them an opportunity to upskill during that time and we um, that'll have a good impact a positive impact for the sector is if we could uh, offer, offer something mm. to the staff it'll do an awful amount of good for their mental health yeah. it'll do good for the sector and they may be on PUP, so it's going to stop people from being bored through those months of January, and hopefully then we reopen them in February 
and we're, we're, we're better we're better off mm, That's a very positive suggestion under the circumstances you've decided uh, to adjust your opening hours and open uh, Peggy Moore's at 12 instead uh, of uh, 5 is that when you normally open Peggy Moore's? Peggy Moore's is normally Monday to Friday it's normally open at 5pm Okay so and now you'll week, be Just this week we're going to uh, yeah. bring it back a couple of hours Okay and there's also we've, we've put in all the measures that we have to make sure like the same measures that have been uh, issue to the sector in terms of keeping people safe. Okay, so but you'll be closing at eight like everybody else, uh, but some are deciding it's not worth opening. Uh, I see McHugh's has decided to close its doors. Uh, the Trinity Quarter has decided it's not worth opening as well. Yeah, look, that's everybody Everybody yeah. has to make their own decisions. We're going to continue on this week. We're going to try and keep as much of the Christmas spirit mm. going as we can and in uh, Peggy Moore's and try and keep our staff employed for that week anyway. Okay. And then we'll look, at, we'll look at it into the New Year's, how, uh, the challenges that we face, because okay. I don't know if 12 o'clock will be viable, but we'll do the best we can to mm. make sure there's errors there for our staff. Okay, very good. Uh, I, I'm sure there's other uh, venues other than the two that I mentioned uh, that have decided uh, that it's not worth their while, it's not viable. Uh, to operate under the circumstances, the restrictions that are in place now. Uh, but it's going to be a, a tough Christmas. Uh, uh, I hope uh, you do as well as possible. And thanks for joining us once again on the programme this morning, Mark. Thanks, Mark McGowan of Scholars Townhouse Hotel in Drogheda, the president of the Restaurants Association of Ireland. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now, two local publicans, uh, Wayne Harding of the Village Inn in Slane, Clet Nugent of the Market Bar in Drogheda, join us uh, again. Uh, good morning to both of you. Thanks uh, for joining us. Uh, a bit of confusion last night, Colette, I believe. A lot of confusion last night. A lot of the customers, general population, wasn't aware that the public houses were still open until um, normal closing, 11 o'clock yesterday evening. I think it was reflected across the town, actually. The town seemed to be very quiet yesterday afternoon uh, when I went across West Street for a walk. But it may have been busier earlier, I don't know. But uh, a lot of venues, not as busy as they thought they would have been uh, last night. A uh, lot of confusion. But, you know, as the old adage is, Michael, the devil's in the details, you know, with these things. But here we are, you know, it's the Colette and Wayne Roadshow again. Mark's been on there before us, mm. and we're just, you know, we're just spitting at the same thing again. It's a roller coaster of emotions here, Michael, because, you know, when this stop, start, stop, start, you know, when when is there a clear indication of how we're going to live with this? Because this isn't living with COVID. This is falling from one precipice to another, and we're just falling further down the abyss, and it's, it's getting us nowhere. I mean, the professor was on there before, and I agree with him wholeheartedly. And most people in the in the in the street understand that our ICU beds and the lack of there of them is a disgrace. And I, I don't understand why that's not being addressed. I think he said something about one billion a week has been spent by the government on that's support, right, yeah. and very badly needed. I know the the tarnish just came out on Friday, and he re- he confirmed again this morning that the these supports will be back in place for businesses that mm. are restricted or closed. And as you rightly said, there's, there's actually three businesses in Drogheda that has closed due to the restrictions okay. of public houses. But I mean, where, where does it end with us? You're, 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 you're intending to stay open anyway, Colette, are you? Well, I intend to stay open, but okay. I mean, how, how sustainable that is. But, you know, realistically, we would be better off staying, uh, we would be better off if we closed us all. Don't forget, Michael, all other sectors of retail are allowed open. The off-licence are allowed till 10 o'clock, but we can't. OK. Wayne Harding, will you be able to stay open? 
Yes, I will. I will be open. Um, and actually, very along similar lines to what Mark mentioned earlier, uh, open earlier and uh, within anticipating the 8 o'clock close. Right. Uh, and when did the 8 o'clock close come into force? Was it not last night? No, no, no. It's it's, uh, it's this evening. So the, the, right. new, the new rules come in at midnight. Last but you can night. understand why people were... Uh, confused just to read directly from uh, the Taoiseach's script on Friday he said we have decided that the following restrictions will be introduced from this Sunday until the 30th of January so I I can imagine why people thought it it was 8 o'clock last night Yeah and I I can understand that too and actually on the 6 o'clock news on Friday when they went back to to the reporter they said um, uh, six o'clock um, from 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 Monday at six o'clock. Uh, there was a lot of confused messages, as is the case with this. Um, Friday was the darkest day we've had in in in, mm. in the hospitality uh, since this all started, um, and I really do think there's one upmanship going on. Um, to to there was no indication. That, that that was happening and at no stage and myself and Colette have been on now for nearly two years at this stage on yeah. and off and as Mark and all of the hospitality sector we fully understand because there, there are families with, with nurses and doctors and frontline staff we understand that but there are families as well with, and, and, and we've the hospitality trade have gotten decimated to keep the pressure off our frontline staff and sometimes that slipped back into, into the background at this stage not with us but how Neffet have, have leaked stuff to the press. We are family pubs and family businesses and family jobs. And I just found, I was so furious um, on Friday that, that it was all out and it was coming at us. And we had absolutely no preparation. And, and your, your professor, uh, Anthony Sainz, who was on earlier, like, I, 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 I really couldn't believe he says, well, public health, and, and I, you, can, you can look back at the tape, but public health stuff, we can make a muck of it for, say, two, three years, but yeah. eventually get it right. Oh, my God, that's so hard to take because there are so many businesses are going to close. Mm. Uh, because of the last two years, do you, and but do you expect to be closed in public health? Do you expect to be closed for New Year's Eve? Um, I I don't see uh, the viability for January, no matter what happens. Um, we have Mark spoke about twelve o'clock, and um, that's that's the, that will be the case until January the first. You have Leopardstown races. There will be people. I think I think it is viable. Uh, uh, so you're asking me a question mm. about closure, a uh, full closure after. after New Year's Eve, we get through the Christmas yeah. because eight o'clock closing in in January. I think any publican will tell you, and uh, you know any wet publican mm. that don't mm. serve food. I, I, we should have known when Neffet christened us wet pubs the disdain they had for the hospitality sector. No, is that the way you feel, really? I really it really yeah. is. A mm. wet pub was never heard of uh, until yeah. this pandemic, mm. and it was taught up by by people. I, cu- I couldn't believe it. It, it just. I'm so, I'm so annoyed, and mm. I'm so annoyed with the mismeasures. The supports are going in there. there um, Neffet leaked on Friday, and we had to pick up and, and get ready for Christmas uh, on the back of that leak. Michael McGrath was out yesterday, and he was talking about supports that I hadn't even thought about, the delivery people. Yeah. So they, that all, that was, all, that was been, so Friday... The leak happened, and we we got decimated mm. for Christmas. Well, that's then, a, that's the, the that's the Irish Independence uh, lead story today. Ten thousand cases a day, three close contacts. That's thirty thousand people who are out of action, who can't go to work. Whether you work in a, a pub or you work uh, in the local library, you can't go to work or in the local radio station, yeah. uh, and things will come to a standstill uh, if the amount of cases. Com- 
continue. I didn't come on. I didn't come on, Michael, to, to say that. Uh, like I fully understand that. And and what coming sounds incredibly yeah. weak. And there's everybody's worried. And we, but it's it's how the the mixed messages. Okay. Came about. No, no, not not at all. That there is serious serious problems coming. And we understand that. Colette. They're not tracing them. That's the issue. I mean, I know people that's working within the school sector and the children are coming to school, either one member, one child at home has COVID and the other one's still at school. So we're going back to the tracing of it, the traceability of this. There's nobody tracking or tracing in in any of the major supermarkets or any other venue that's, you know, retail sector. So why they they think that this is going to... I have no problem. I know it's a public health issue, but they'd be better off closing everything down what they've done now is vilify the, 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 the publicans again. And as Wayne has just said, complete and utter disdain. This is discrimination by any other word what they've done in the hospitality sector. Be clear about that, Michael. Mm. You can dress this up any way you like with a hat and a scarf on it. The story will still remain the same when you take the coat off. It's discrimination because it's easy to shoot fish in a barrel. And that's what they've done. Uh, it's all very well for the tarnished to say that the supports there are going to be. As Mark said at the top of the show, there's no clear indication from that as to what people are going to get. Okay. It may not be sustainable to stay open from 12 yeah, o'clock well, to 8 o'clock. Th- th- that'll be announced today. Uh, Wayne? Just, w- just one yeah. more point. I, and we're, we're being double whammied because uh, the cities will be incredibly busy. So all these restrictions, and they have to be put in place. I can assure you, myself and Colette's pub would be as safe as any house or anything that is organised between now and Christmas. And, and I know that for a fact we've done really well. In, uh, 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 we have had two inspections since we opened. Um, the, the inspectors were quite happy with the report sheets we had and everything. The pub, the, the pub that myself and Colette run would be as safe as anything that's out there that will happen over Christmas. OK, we have to leave there, but thank you both for joining us on the programme this morning. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you indeed, and uh, I hope uh, uh, Christmas goes as well as it possibly can for both of you as well. That's uh, Colette Nugent of the Market Bar in Drogheda. She's also the chairperson of Loud's branch of the VFI. We were also speaking to Wayne Harding, who owns the Village Inn pub in Slane. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. Uh, I just uh, want to let you know, uh, we were hoping uh, to speak uh, with Fianna Fáil councillor in Meath, Paul McCabe, on uh, the programme today. Councillor McCabe but will notice that there's uh, some missed calls on his phone uh, following uh, what seems to be something pretty controversial. Uh, and uh, this is a, a tweet that uh, came to light over the weekend uh, by Paddy Cosgrave uh, publishing a a tweet uh, that uh, Paul McCabe had tweeted himself in the past. Uh, It does seem to be controversial, to say the least. Uh, I think regular listeners uh, to the programme will know uh, that we're very slow not to give you the full details of something, but this is a message that we've decided we just can't read on uh, the programme because the language is too graphic. All I can say to you is that it is of a sexual nature uh, and it was very surprising to see that it was tweeted by a public representative. Uh, We have uh, tried to make contact uh, with Councillor Paul McCabe, uh, but we have not been successful in doing that. And uh, if you are listening to us today, Councillor McCabe, if you'd like to discuss this and uh, another issue that I'll I'll mention in a moment with us, uh, we would be delighted to hear from you. Uh, We've also made contact with Fianna Fáil Press, 
uh, about this and uh, another matter which I'll mention in a moment. Fianna Fáil Press uh, may make comment on this. We don't know. Uh, they're looking at uh, the situation and considering uh, the issues uh, at hand. Uh, and we've also made contact uh, with Minister of State Thomas Byrne to see if uh, the minister would want to make contact or would want to make comment on this uh, because Councillor McCabe is uh, an employee of the minister. Uh, we asked uh, Fianna Fáil and the minister, that's Fianna Fáil Press, uh, just to be clear, and Minister Byrne, uh, if uh, they had any comment to, to make about the tweet that pa- Paddy Cosgrave had highlighted, that tweet, uh, with a very graphic language uh, of a, a sexual nature, uh, and also uh, what appears to be a charge and conviction of drink driving. Uh, the Meath Chronicle uh, reported uh, this week that Judge Brendan O'Reilly on Thursday convicted Paul McCabe of Moynalty Kells of drunken driving on the R147 on 31st of August 2019, uh, who was fined €500 Euro and disqualified from driving for two years from the 1st of January next. So that's uh, the second issue uh, that uh, we asked for comment on. We haven't heard back, uh, as far as I know yet, uh, from Minister Byrne or indeed his people, uh, and we're awaiting a response from Fianna Fáil Press, and we're open to hearing from Councillor McCabe. Just to mention that to you, uh, because... Uh, I expect uh, that people will be interested uh, to hear uh, about all of this and uh, may uh, hope uh, that we will be hearing uh, from the councillor or indeed his political party in uh, the coming days. Now, let's go back uh, to the emergency, the pandemic, the crisis that we're all living in and uh, this partial lockdown, uh, which looks possibly set to go into full lockdown. Uh, That's what's happened in the Netherlands. Uh, I think the best or clearest indication of where we're going in that sense is that nothing can be ruled out at this stage. Nothing is planned at this stage as the official government line, but nothing can be ruled out at this stage. Uh, It's a, a game of wait and see. But what happens then? Do we go from one variant to another? Uh, will we be here Christmas week next year talking uh, about some new variant uh, and more lockdowns and restrictions? Will this ever end? I, I, I can't promise that next summer will be better or next Christmas will be better, but I can promise that we'll do everything that we can uh, to make sure it is. Um, and I think when this pandemic started, um, we all hoped that it wouldn't go on for so long. Uh, and few of us, certainly I didn't think it would go on for so long. Um, but it has now gone on for two years. Uh, it could go on for several years. Um, it is going to be a long war. And that's why it does require us to consider how we're going to fight that long war. And you might fight that differently than you would uh, a short one. And it does mean things like the vaccine program, uh, the pillars that Tijic spoke about. It means the therapeutics that will be available in the spring. It means um, masks. Uh, it means paying more attention to things like ventilation, which we have been in, in, in recent months. It'll mean scaling up our testing capacity, both lateral flow tests and PCR tests. It'll mean continuing to increase our ICU and hospital capacity, um, and we've been doing that. Uh, it means um, uh, uh, trying to get, get our models a bit better as well. It means doing all of those things. Um, but I think one thing as well it might mean uh, is, uh, is accepting um, that we may have to go backwards on occasion. And one thing we've very much done over the past two years uh, is try to open up very slowly for fear of having to go backwards. Um, but there may well be a case uh, to say uh, in this long war that if it's possible to have periods of freedom, um, 
then that might make sense um, because there will be other variants and there will be other winters. And perhaps uh, in advance of those winters and those variants, we should try to have periods of freedom and give people a bit of a break, an opportunity to demob, if you like, uh, during this long war. But that's all for after, after Omicron. The focus has to be on dealing with this wave and fighting it. Uh, we, we can consider um, medium and longer term strategies after that. How many times did the Tonsha say long war in that short clip? Answers on uh, back of a postcard, please, no prizes. Unfortunately, <laughs> there is no joy, is there? Uh, Susan is in trim. Uh, thanks for your call to the programme today, Susan. She says, I feel it's inevitable that there is going to be some sort of lockdown just after Christmas. We see it happening in other European countries. We're not going to be any different to them in terms of how this virus spreads or how contagious it is here compared to there, yeah, well, I don't know. They're uh, locking down in Holland, in uh, the Netherlands, uh, where they've, I think, uh, over 80% of uh, the population who are vaccinated, slightly less than us, but they're way behind uh, on uh, the booster vaccination. So maybe the boosters uh, will give us that edge. Madge in Navin says, I can't understand why we're practically in lockdown. But there's still football being played and they're not wearing masks. It's very annoying. There's no fun anymore. There must be a very angry God because the world is being punished. It does seem that way, Madge, doesn't it? Yeah. OK, thanks uh, for your call, by the way. Uh, thanks to John and Dundalk as well. John says, if it is as bad as they're predicting, why aren't we going into lockdown? The shops are packed why just target the hospitality sector? Thanks for that, uh, John. Thanks to everybody who has been in touch with us uh, for that matter. Uh, it really is a dreadful situation coming into Christmas week. Uh, I suppose you could say it could be worse for hospitality than it is. You know that the recommendation from Neffet was that they close at five. Uh, the government compromise, if you like, was eight. So why... Is it eight instead of five, I suppose, is another question. Or why is it five rather, or why is it eight rather than five? So the recommendation that we made, uh, the clear intention of which was to, to make a significant reduction in terms of the total volume of social contact in the hospitality sector. Uh, it's not because we wanted it to be in, in, again in a situation of targeting a particular sector. The reality is the primary, the primary activity that takes part, place in a lot of hospitality is the, is the meeting up of individuals. And unfortunately, that's exactly what the virus needs. Opportunities with people meeting up in order to spread. And what we want, we need to be able to do is to substantially reduce the total volume of activity or, or social content that takes place, reduce the number of opportunities that this virus to transmit. As we now see with the, the level of Omicron, we think at about one third of the cases. Uh, if, 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 if we were to start to increase the levels of social content, it would create the perfect environment for a very, very rapid increase in, in, in transmission. That's exactly what we want to try to avoid. And I know there will be some that say, well, what's the difference between something before 5 o'clock and, and after 5 o'clock or before 8 o'clock and after 8 o'clock? Individually, there's no inherent difference in that. The reality is that if we reduce that level uh, in that way, we, we reduce the total volume of contact that <coughs> takes, takes place across the population associated with that, what is deemed high-risk activity in terms of the transmission of this virus by the advisory bodies that we look to. So if you look at the ECDC advice published on Thursday, if you look at the advice of the Health Security Committee published a number of days prior to that, you will see a range of measures from contact tracing to communication, but all identifying the particular environments, especially indoor, uh, of, of hospitality and similar type activities. 
uh, that um, uh, create the potential for so-called super-spreading events. Uh, and, and that's exactly the kind of thing that we're seeking to try uh, to avoid. Uh, and, and the more we can, we can collectively and individually adhere to the measures uh, and then in our, in our individual lives uh, manage our own individual contacts and try to reduce our contacts as much as possible, the more we can mitigate uh, and reduce the impact potentially uh, of, the, of, the spread of the spread of that. Right, that's uh, the Chief Medical Officer, Dr Tony Houlihan. Uh, thanks uh, to Marie Andrade, who says, Michael, does this virus only come out after 8 o'clock at night, feeding into uh, what we just heard there? Uh, somebody else uh, in touch with us saying, I missed the beginning of uh, the talk uh, with Professor Anthony Staines, who was on uh, advising on what type of masks to wear. Can you let me know the name of uh, that mask? Uh, the caller says another text from somebody who says what was the right mask to wear as we're talking about it there and where can you get uh, these masks Uh, that's Margaret in Navin uh, who texted that uh, so people obviously keen to do the right thing Uh, what you're looking for is an N95 masks uh, that's uh, pretty similar to a KN95 mask. Uh, so an N95 or a KN95, the N95 uh, come with a, a slot for ventilation. But what both of them are, are, are like, I suppose it's like thick cheese cloth. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the right thing. But you know the way you would have a, a filter in a Hoover, the, the the white cloth filter that you'd have in a filter, it would remind you of that, but it's completely white and it covers your nose and your mouth completely, much thicker than uh, the masks that you see most people wearing, uh, but it's N95 or K. N95 that you would be looking for. Uh, Thanks uh, indeed uh, for your interest in all of that. Uh, Somebody else in touch, uh, this is Frank he says, he has a a question what's the point getting the vaccines when a person gets the two vaccines and the boosters then we still have lockdown. What's the point in it? what uh, about all of the problems we're going to have with our, our mental health and uh, maybe that could be a bigger problem says Frank okay well uh, there is some reasons for getting the vaccine uh, one is that uh, you're going to have much uh, much better chance if you do get COVID and there's quite a chance that all of us will get COVID because this thing is so transmissible but it, there's a much better chance uh, that you won't get a, a sick, that you won't uh, suffer such a severe illness. Uh, but let's hear a little bit more about the reasons for getting a booster vaccine. There really are three very good reasons. The first one, which is the most important one, is these vaccines protect you against the risk of severe illness, hospitalisation and death. There's no better vaccine bonus than that. Uh, secondly, if you are a close contact and you've had the three jabs, you only have to restrict your movements for five days instead of ten. Uh, that'll be, that's a big difference in somebody's life. Uh, having had to restrict my movements is a big difference between five days and, and ten, I, I guarantee you that, uh, staying at home. Um, and thirdly, uh, at a European level, um, the digital COVID certificates are going to be reissued in the new year. Uh, so starting in the new year, in January, um, digital COVID certs will be reissued. Uh, and it's very likely um, that uh, in order to travel in the spring and summer, you'll need to have the new digital COVID cert, uh, which which is the evidence that you've been boosted, uh, that you've had the third dose. So. Um, if people are planning or looking ahead towards um, overseas travel uh, within the European Union in spring or summer, you need to get this uh, third dose. And it's very much in your interest to do so. Right, that's uh, Tom Shalio Bradker once again. Uh, we've uh, Tom in, t- in touch with us. He says, God love us. We really need our pubs. How stupid does this sound? 
we're faced with, well, we don't know how bad or how many people will die, but hey, what about the pubs? They're so important. They're not, he says, and people need to cop on. Um, you're probably right, Tom, uh, but I, I think we should also have some consideration uh, for how people aren't living their lives, particularly young people uh, in uh, their early 20s, 30s, that type of thing, going out to meet people. Uh, it, it's not just about pubs, it's the social life and the interaction that has been brought to a halt. And years at this stage, we're two years into now of people's lives, some of the most important years in their lives that are, are being lost but as you say, uh, it's a question of life rather than putting life on hold, uh, life and death. Uh, so uh, it is undoubtedly the right thing to do. But thanks uh, for that. I want to go back uh, to that comment uh, we had earlier on uh, about uh, the virus spreading. Uh, and if it spreads here, well, perhaps, or if it spreads elsewhere, perhaps it's going to spread here just as quickly. Uh, I think it was Susan who was in touch with us, who was making this point. Very similar point, Susan, that you made uh, was being made by the Taoiseach on Friday. I mean, I don't know how, you know, if we look at the, the daily news from the United Kingdom for the last week, the numbers have been exponentially rising. Uh, it's ripping through society there in, in numbers that we haven't quite seen before. And, and, and all the predictions from public health, both here and Internationally, I've seen little disagreement among public health about the, how infectious this is, how, how fast it spreads. There is uncertainty about, about its severity. We can't take that risk. It's too late then if we take the risk that we find out that it does escape thanks, you know, that it is more severe. Now, we're all hoping um, that it, 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 it doesn't, but we're also confident in the capacity of the booster in addition to the first and second dose giving us significant cellular immunity protecting us from severe illness and severe disease so that that is it's omicron um, has this is the latest development if you like and the latest wave of covid and that's fundamental to everything we're doing here um, this evening when i said earlier i didn't say i'm going to be here forever uh, we you know but i can't put a timeline uh, on this and I, i've always said here COVID will not end with a bang, you know, it will evolve and we will have, society will evolve with it, just like many other viruses and, and diseases of the past. Um, but, um, and in many respects, you know, we did, we were coming out of the Delta wave, we were doing well against Delta. You, you, you have parallel epidemics happening here. Delta, just coming out of that, getting the numbers down, I, would have, I was hoping that the numbers would come down even more in, in anticipation of Omicron uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the last while. And, uh, you know, it's 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 very very uh, disappointing, very unfortunate for people that we are in this situation. But I think if we if we watch, if we behave, I think proactively and, and wisely, uh, I think we can, we can avoid the worst of this. Let's hope so. That's uh, the three shock, Michal Martin, Michael Reed on LMFM. Uh, the Oireachtas uh, Committee on the Environment and uh, Climate Action want us to follow the French example so that when we go to the shops, go to a supermarket, uh, at least uh, at least 20% of the supermarket's floor space will be allocated to reusable or refillable products. Let's speak to a member of uh, that committee, Darren O'Rourke, who's Sinn Féin TD, for me, these good morning to you, and thank you indeed uh, for joining us. Now, this is in advance of the circular economy bill, uh, which uh, will be debated in the Dáil 
uh, I'm sure, in the new year. Uh, but tell us a, a little bit what you're hoping will change in terms of the way that we live our lives. Thanks, Michael. Um, I know uh, amongst everything else that people are dealing with in the, in the run into Christmas, that the, these kind of, um, uh, some might say, lofty concepts are... are, are um, are not to the to forefront of people's minds, but I, I think government and opposition and the parliament has a responsibility to to, to look in the in the long term. And, and these no, are I don't, I, I'm not sure I'm not sure about that. I think when people are putting out their recycling bins are, after Christmas, they'll be saying, "What did we need all that stuff for all that wrapping paper and all that packing and all that padding?" I mean, this is actually a, a great time I think to talk about it because people are very much aware of how much stuff goes into the bin. Yeah, I think some of the headlines that have been um, some of the headlines, like for example, the 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 twenty percent of floor space, the um, you know uh, issues in relation to you know reusable condiments in in um, hotels and wet wipes, and that those are some of the headlines that mm. this report uh, got. I think the important point to say to people is that there is a really big issue at play here. Uh, we need to recognise that for very many reasons, principally the, the environment, we need to minimise waste. So we need to move away from an environment, or from, from an economy that, it, that produces things only for them to, to end up on the, the scrap heap or in landfills. So that idea of of take the resources, make something with them, and then uh, waste them. They, they end up being being in, in landfill or in in uh, on the scrap heap. We need to move to an economy where we reuse things, where uh, where the, the the component parts of a product are recycled and reused again, and that they they are given longevity. So so I, so so that requires you know a whole of government a whole of economy approach a whole systems change to achieve it and in many respects that was the point i was making michael Mm -hmm. in terms of people's busy lives they aren't always to the forefront of the mind but they are we are going to have to develop systems that put them to the forefront of people's minds that we we you know create a, a a system where we think about the impact of how we buy what we buy and what waste we are generating, and to do yeah, the best. I, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe I, my perception of it is completely wrong. But I, I would think, uh, to a, a large degree, people are way ahead of uh, the politicians and are, are crying out for ways uh, to be more environmentally friendly in the way that they shop uh, and uh, the opportunities that they have to recycle. I mean, there was an awful backlash uh, when they decided to stop uh, allowing people to recycle plastic bottles at the bottle banks. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I take that, Michael. And, and really, I think there's there's two really important things, I believe, for government to do in relation to this. First is to challenge the vested interest in relation to it, you know, to, to push back on the big producers to push back on the Amazons and all the you know the the cheap imports the the you know the the really uh, um, you know high volume things that that are consumable disposable um, uh, you know so there's a lot of vested interest there that want to 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 see the current system um, continue to exist and that needs to be pushed back against and that's not going to be straightforward. The other piece I think. That's really important is that government needs to address the issue of how time poor people are. I think that's a we have a, a convenience culture, a throwaway culture that 
is endemic. You know, it's 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 really uh, significant, and, and I I accept Michael everything you're saying in terms of, mm. and I play my own part as well in terms of doing the the best you can to to minimise waste. Um, but when when you're trying to withstand the flood of um, you know whether it's from China or elsewhere of uh, consumer goods that are just uh, flooding onto the market that aren't using you know circularity or aren't using reused or recycled products then, then that is something that that, that that is an issue and I think you know on a practical level and and as you said Christmas is a really good time to, to think about it um, you know to think about the products you are buying I would encourage people as always to shop local to look at the products to try and you know that that those products are as local as as possible because that means the carbon footprint of them is is uh, is less. But also, you know, where possible to you know avoid, reduce, reuse, recycle. That's the the kind of mantra that we move, we need to to move to. But but government have a role in relation to in relation to it as well. So for, for example, like people will will well remember, and I certainly remember the likes of you know glass bottles for milk, and mm. we know they you know the, the likes of uh, McGowan's and Waterstown are doing very good work in relation to that, but it, but that's a you know it's it's not it's the exception rather than the rule. So so we need to move to a place where many of the things we did in the pla- in the past actually become the the, the rule again. For example, reusing uh, milk bottles, or um, you know the, the we we used to have a deposit return scheme in the past for. Mm. For, for glass bottles we need to it was a great thing because the bottles were left in the street uh, the kids or somebody else might pick them up to go down with the bottles to get the tampons on each bottle well well, that's it exactly Michael and, and I know very many people in Meath County Council ran a, a good campaign during the, the, the summer where you had a, a, a green mile where you take a mile of, of uh, countryside and, and walk and pick the litter mm, mm. I, I know you know, communities right across the the county, and what they were picking up was tins and bottles and mm. uh, um, materials that you know can be reused, should be reused, but we, were being thrown on the on the side of the road. And actually, there is a scheme to come in next year, which will be a benefit. Unfortunately, it won't include glass bottles, but um, and, and you know we push and hopefully it will in the future. But the idea that you know instead of throwing your empty can mm. or empty bottle or empty plastic bottle on the side of the road, you would go to a deposit return facility and yeah. and get 20 and cent back on it. That makes sense. Some people might think that's an old-fashioned thing, but some countries never stop doing it. Uh, and uh, it continues to work very, very well. Uh, and stuff doesn't end up in the bin. It goes back because there's a value that people understand. <laughs> you get money when you bring it back, in other words. For sure, and and the the other point to say in in relation to all of this, Michael, is, you know, some of it some of it falls on individuals, but a, a huge part of it falls on manufacturers, producers, and that's the that's the piece that's missing uh, at the minute, and that's the bit where government have to step in and put systems in place to ensure that you know packaging is minimised, the materials that have been used to build things and produce things are in and of themselves um, uh, recycled or recyclable. Um, and and that's, a, that's going to take a whole systems uh, approach. But from an, an individual level, and I, and I agree with you, Michael, and we have mm. the, 
you know, the, 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 the bin system and people do their best and tidy towns right across the country are doing absolutely Trojan work, but they have to be enabled, they have to be supported. Mm. And that's what this, you know, you know yeah. the, even the... But the many people, people will go into the shop and buy refills when they're available. Uh, 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 you know, they do anything that they can when it's possible uh, and it's not always possible. It's... I don't know, maybe it's just the people that I see shopping uh, who are doing that and they're the minority, but I never understand why uh, commercial companies don't see the benefit of that and that there's a market for that sort of thing, let alone it needing legislation to enforce it. Yeah, just, well, well, I think, you know, um, again, like what you're referencing there, Michael, I, I, I see it, I see it myself uh, and involvement myself, but it's, it isn't the it isn't to the extent that we w- we would like it. We need to make we need to make that actually the mainstream. We need to make that type of approach, that type of thinking, um, the absolute mainstream. Because if you if you compare that effort to the convenience, you know, to the throwaway, to we're expanding landfill, we're expanding landfill mm-hmm. and county needs. You know, we're doing that for a reason because there's more going into to landfill. We're we're a fraction in this area. We're a fraction of of. Uh, we compare very poorly to our, uh, you know, European counterparts. We're doing an eighth as much uh, um, as as they are. So mm. there's huge room for for yeah. for, for growth there. And and, and, and I, there's I advertising and targeting or marketing me- methods uh, that people use. Uh, and I mean, if you take uh, dishwasher tablets for example, there's nothing sexy about a, a dishwasher tablet. Uh, but if you put it in what people perceive to be sexy packaging, uh, that's the one that tends to sell better than the ones that are, are being sold uh, as uh, refills or loose or whatever uh, term is put on it. Uh, so uh, there is good reason, uh, I suppose, for a lot of these companies to continue with that type of uh, approach. No, absolutely, Michael. And, and that's, you know, I, I think it, it will require a mindset shift in the, in the first place for us as consumers um, and then it will require the systems to be in place. So, so you know, to push uh, providers, to push supermarkets, to push uh, producers of goods in a, in a direction where they are, you know, creating that option for people. Because, you know, we, we go into the supermarket and you have uh, loose, loose uh, fruit and vegetable, for example, or you have them, them packaged. Um, and lots of people will still go for the package because it's just, it's just easier. And then as a result of that, um, you know, we have a very significant problem with food waste, and that's uh, um, that's another part of of this that we need to try and address and, and reduce. So, so mm. look, it, it is it is really really important, uh, Michael, and it is something that we can expect to have more and more conversation in relation to how do we reduce waste. And I think people that have seen the transition over years that are maybe, you know, thinking back to the 80s or 70s where, where or, or further back where we did things in a different way and look at the level of, of uh, you know, products that are, are consumed and the amount of waste and the amount of packaging, I think it's been, you know, an absolutely transformational change for the negative. We need mm. to roll back on a lot of that and this circular economy bill and our scrutiny of it at the committee is is part of that. Okay, Uh, just uh, while you're with us, the week that's in it, and uh, I don't mean Christmas week, uh, I mean uh, another week of uh, more restrictions uh, which uh, come into force uh, from uh, today, is uh, Sinn Féin uh, fully behind uh, the government's uh, approach this week? 
I think it's 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 incredibly difficult, Michael. And I was listening to your 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 commentators uh, in in the first hour of of the show. It's it's you know the public health advice is the public health advice. The, the difficulty in so much of this is, I do ask the question. You know, how have we ended up here? Um, we've ended up here because of COVID nineteen and in particular the Omicron variant. But we we've also ended up here because. We failed to invest in ICU beds in health in healthcare capacity. We failed to act on HEPA filters in schools. We dropped contact tracing. Um, we've failed to, to lift the 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 Taoiseach himself said, you know, we didn't act quickly enough in relation to antigen testing. Now, whether to be fair, Michael, whether you did all of that stuff and got it perfectly right, um, you know, I, I feel we'd be in a better position. But we'd still have to deal with Omicron. We'd still be dealing with some some version of of those systems in place and testing and tracing and isolating and restrictions in some shape or form. I think the really important thing is, you know, if I was advising government, I would say quit this internal squabbling, this uh, uh, confused mixed message. And you saw it exactly the same on on on, uh, uh, on Thursday and Friday last week. You know, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael senators scrambling around, looking to get onto the plinth of of Leinster House to, to say how they support the, mm. the public health advice but didn't support the public health advice. And I just think... Shane Castles, the, Regina Doherty uh, yeah, opposed absolutely. to what was being proposed. Is it going to be even more restrictive? Uh, are, are we uh, looking, do you think, uh, at the possibility of a full lockdown for New Year's Eve? I don't know, Michael, and I think you know you've you've played lots of clips there from from Tony Holohan, and uh, I think you know, like anything, it depends. The answer to that question, I think, on reflection, Michael, is it depends. It depends on what happens between now and 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 the next number of days in terms of the amount of social contact, the amount of of you know high risk activity that people get involved in, and the amount of of transmission of of the virus. But anything is possible. Unfortunately, I wish you know I, I wish you were able to provide people with, with greater assurance but from everything I'm seeing everything I'm hearing um, you know it, it really does depend and we you know that's a huge frustration for people it's not what they want to hear and and, I, and again I would call on government to be very clear on the messaging but also absolutely 100% in terms of the delivery of support and we're not seeing that you know I represent I'm a party spokesperson for transport um, I've been fighting for their inclusion in the, the, the reopened PUP. They're being refused it. Um, same goes for many. They may change today as well. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Again. and, and then mm, you know, yeah. so so mm. so twelve o'clock has turned to eight o'clock, and their their work is going to be reduced, and they're still not be, they're still being refused it. And, and government mm. say that you know it is what it is, and that's just well, that may change today. I think. Oh well, well, well. I, well, if that's the case, I would I, I would very much welcome mm. that, and I think. It absolutely needs to change because... Um, yeah. It because may not, know, but uh, we're to get the details. Uh, and uh, I think the Tarnisha did uh, make reference uh, to sectors like that. Uh, but we'll get those details later today. Uh, at least that's uh, what we're told to expect. Uh, I wish you a healthy Christmas. Uh, and thank you for joining us uh, on the programme this morning, Sinn Féin. S- S- same to you, Michael, and to all your listeners. I know it's been a, a very tough year on people, but just to, to wish people a, a, a safe and... and uh, uh, peaceful Christmas. Okay, thank you indeed. Uh, Darren O'Rourke, Sinn Féin TD for Mead East. Michael, Michael Reed on LMFM. LMFM.
And the Irish Independent is uh, reporting on how prices in Northern Ireland are so much cheaper on some goods that uh, shoppers may be tempted to go north of uh, the border to buy Christmas presents. Online shopping from the UK, complicated, as uh, they say, uh, by VAT and custom charges. But it's not the same when you physically go across the border. Let's talk uh, to Paddy Malone. Uh, who's uh, spokesperson uh, for the Chamber of Commerce in Dundalk. Uh, thanks, Paddy. Thanks for joining us, as always. Uh, this is not the sort of story I'm sure traders in Dundalk want to hear in uh, the week in the run-up to Christmas. No, it's not. Uh, and it's one that the, the Independent in particular runs every couple of years as a, as a headline. Um, recently, they ran a story saying mortgage or, uh, house building will soar by 25% in seven years. Well, if I divide that by 7, by 25, I get 3% a year. Hardly worth getting excited about. But the headline looked good. And the same thing applies to this. When you're buying electrical goods or other goods, the main message is compare like with like. Not similar. Make sure it's the same thing that you're buying. And very often I have found in the past that, they, that they're similar, but they're not the same. And therefore you're not, you don't know where you stand. The other point I would make is that Northern Ireland is in this quasi-land that it's partly in the EU and partly not, and it's, it's got the advantages of both. But your problem is consumer rights and consumer protection is not as clear-cut as it would have been a year ago or two years ago. Mm. So you know, the buyer beware is an old uh, saying that you get, caveat emptor. It's, it's the first thing you learn in college when you, go to, when you do business. And it applies here as, just as forcefully as it does anywhere else. Okay. Yeah, and the but... message I would get is, sit down and do your sums. Add up the number of hours you're going to spend in Uri to do the shopping. Add up the time that you're going to wait. Add up the petrol or the diesel or whatever, or, or, you know, the electrical charge or whatever you're doing. Add up the fact that you'll probably stop in the local shops and you'll have a cup of coffee, which you wouldn't necessarily do in the dock because you're, it's local. So add those things up before you do. And finally... If the difference is minimal, just remember that local is important and shop local is critically important if we're to sustain jobs, whether it's the boss's job in the, in the office or whether it's the girl or the boy's job that's on the, on, on the, on the shop floor selling the product to you. Okay. It, it seems as though if you do your research, you'll find bargains on both sides of the border because uh, the Irish Independent is comparing like with like and it's found, for example, that it's much cheaper to buy a Sage coffee machine in the south or uh, uh, fridge freezer from here uh, in the south than it is in the north. You're looking at, at prices there of around 1700 compared to 2120 euro or 800 uh, compared to over a thousand euro. That's much cheaper here than it, it would be in the north, uh, but there are some items. Are some, uh, listen, it's, it's going to happen in both ways, as, yeah. you, as you've just said, Michael. And what I'm saying to people is do your homework. Make sure you're happy with the thing. Understand the time and other commitments you're going to be given to go into go north. Understand that your consumer rights question mark now that you now that Britain is in this uh, now that Northern Ireland is in this quasi land. Um, so just be careful. Now you know we mm. firmly believe in working with Newry Chamber and with Newry, and there will be times when it's worth people's while to force competition on the local shops and go in and do it. And uh, you know. 
I would always be an advocate of competition. Well, maybe uh, Boots would be a place to start. The Lancome Christmas Beauty Box in Boots costs €320.43 here. North of the border, €258. Uh, pounds, uh, that's 305. So 305 compared to 320 euro, that's a, a 15 euro difference. It's a 15 euro difference. Now, if you were getting that for every single thing that you were spending it on, so that if you were buying 10 or 11, that, say five or six items, that's 100 euro. It might be what you're while going down to the north if there was 100 euro on all the items you were buying. But mm. as you've just pointed out, some are plus, some are negative. Do the overall situation and calm down. But what I would say to people is, Please do remember that you want the shop to be there in a couple of months. If you want the local shops to be there in a couple of months, support the local shops. Um, the other thing is that you're always going to get situations of promotion and you're always going to get situations of, I won't say dumping, but of, of being competitive. If you go back to that stage machine you quoted, I have no idea why it's so much cheaper. But the manufacturer could have been doing a promotion. Mm. The distributor, the, the shop could have bought... 2,000 of them rather than 200. God only knows. And you will find bargains. And good luck to people at finding bargains. Mm. Look, in this, all this COVID mess that we've been in in the last two years, we all want to find bonuses where we can find them. And I, I don't begrudge that to anybody. Okay. But what I'm saying is, look at the full cost of doing these things. And that makes life significantly different than, you know, this headline of a hundred couple of hundreds of euros. Yeah, if you're going to buy a car or something like that, maybe. Okay. But like, do your, do your homework. Please. All right, well... And well, look, can I just simply say, yep. I'd like to thank everybody. I'd like to thank you, Ella, in LMFM, for your support over the year. That is very much appreciated. I know sometimes, Michael, you and I will spar, but I do appreciate the thing. And second of all, I'd like to just wish everybody in County Loud just a happy a happy Christmas. I, I, I think we've been through a, hap, a, lo, a mm. tough two years, and please God, 2022 will be a wee bit better. Okay, and we'd encourage everybody to shop local where possible, uh, because what goes around comes around and we are talking about uh, not just our, our local businesses but our, our local jobs and indeed our own jobs because as I say what goes around comes around Paddy uh, I hope you have a, a prosperous uh, a healthy and a peaceful Christmas and thank you indeed uh, for well, joining us on the programme this morning that's uh, Paddy Malone PRO for Dundalk's Chamber of Commerce Michael Reed on LMFM. Now, as mentioned earlier on, uh, we were hoping uh, to hear from Fianna Fáil councillor Paul McCabe in Mead uh, about a a couple of incidents uh, that have come to light. Uh, I went through them earlier on in the programme and I'm glad to say that we have heard from councillor McCabe and uh, we want to thank him for a statement uh, that he has just issued to us and I'll read it for you now. In August 2019, I was stopped at a routine guarded checkpoint. I was driving under the influence of alcohol. I've subsequently been before the courts and received a two-year ban from driving. That night, I let myself and others down and continue to live with the shame. I take full responsibility for my actions. I'm not a victim and I rightly deserve to be held accountable for my behaviour that night. On that night, my judgment lapsed and I made a mistake that has caused much hurt and pain for my family, my girlfriend, the people of North Meath, who I am so proud to represent, my community and my party colleagues. 
I am truly sorry for the hurt caused by my actions. If any good can come out of this, I hope that somebody thinking of doing what I did in 2019, this Christmas, or indeed at any time throughout the year, learns a lesson from my mistake and makes better decisions than what I did that night. I am privileged to be an elected representative and to serve the people of North Meath. I hope I am allowed the opportunity to regain the confidence and trust of the people of North Meath and I will continue to do my best for my constituents into the future. Separately, a tweet from almost 10 years ago when I was a teenager has re-emerged. The tweet in question has been deleted for a number of years from my Twitter account. The tweet was a poor attempt at humour. I apologise to anyone who was offended by the tweet. I am profoundly sorry for my stupid behaviour. As I say, that's a statement that has just been issued to us by Fianna Fáil councillor in Meath, councillor Paul McCabe. Now, let's uh, return uh, to some more of uh, the statements uh, that were made by uh, the chief medical officer and indeed uh, the leaders of government in relation to what is now, I think, a reality that we're really looking at a real threat from this variant that is known as Omicron. Just have a look at the incidence rates in, in places like England, in Scotland, in Norway, in Denmark. They're rising almost vertically. And it's the variant that's causing that. Uh, and it's eluding the measures that are in place in many well-developed countries, not just not just our own. Uh, but what you can see happening in this country, and, and it's happened in many other countries in Europe, is that the response... So we're learning about the virus. But we've learned about, a lot about these viruses that allow us to respond quickly and put in place the measures and the advices that we help, we think will help to minimise as much as we can, the spread of that infection, the impact that it will have on public health, the impact it will have as a knock-on in terms of the essential services that we've mentioned in terms of uh, health, uh, education uh, and, and other services. And a really important message, I think, in all of the different measures that you've heard about here this evening and all the different measures you've heard about over the course of the pandemic, no one of them alone is going to solve this. And in particular, when we face a wave as big as this one may be, every single measure that has the potential to interrupt transmission protect individuals is important. There is no silver bullet. There have been many promises of silver bullets all the way through the course of this pandemic and a sense that some new piece of technology is going to make all this okay and will mean that we don't all have to get involved, if you like, in the basic public health measures. Unfortunately, I wish it were so, but it's not. It's not. The CMO, Tony Houlihan, Teresa on the phone to us. Thanks for your call, Teresa. Uh, She's sick listening to publicans giving out all of the time and blaming the government and Neffet. Uh, She says it is as clear as crystal to her that this is a virus. It's nobody's fault. I do feel sorry for the people who obey the rules, but this is a virus and we all have to mind ourselves so that we can get rid of it. Thanks for your call, Teresa. There's a lot of people as well who are saying, why are you closing the pubs at at eight o'clock? Why close them early at all? Because if you close the pubs early, uh, people will only end up having parties. We had a general discussion on that on Tuesday night in terms of, you know, the displacement issue, you know, do people go elsewhere if they leave? We had that kind of a general discussion, not any specifics and timing because... It's all about balance, um, and we do know that in some rural locations, for example, pubs may not open, not open at all until 5 o'clock in some cases, or 6 o'clock. So it's trying to get a balance here uh, in terms of approach, but the overall overarching objective is to reduce overall social contacts 
across society and the broad range of measure, measures achieve that. Yeah, I mean, and it's addressed in the letter you'll see, but, but like, uh, and, and of course that may happen. So an individual or individuals who, who, who might have gone out to a pub of an evening or might have gone out for a meal might say, well, look, now we're going to go home and it's a less regulated environment and all that. And that may well be true. And there will be individuals who do that and there will be individuals who bring a lot of attention to themselves in doing that, perhaps. The reality is that the majority of people won't do that. So we still think... That, that even though that may occur, the total quantum of, of, of contact that will, will result in society will be substantially reduced. That's our objective, uh, um, e even though there will be instances in which people will uh, meet up in households. It was part of the reason that we didn't make any, any observation or, uh, on the three households, meeting up with three other households, to try to make that a little bit easier for people, so that we didn't make any adjustment in relation to that. And then we'll also give some, uh, hopefully, uh, supportive targeted message, public health messaging in the coming days to help people to manage their individual risk in those household settings over the course of the Christmas period. So trying to, as the teacher says, achieve that balance in the advice we give. Dr. Tony Houlihan, uh, the Chief Medical Officer, and on Taoiseach, Michal Martin. Their last word to Paddy, who says, what about people who come into Belfast and then drive across the border? Who's checking for those people and what they might bring with them? Thanks, Paddy. That's it for today. God willing, we'll see you for our next programme tomorrow morning at 9am right here on LMFM. Good morning. Bye-bye. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.